This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to Reporters Without Orders, where we discuss what made news, what didn't and what absolutely shouldn't have. Today we have with us one of my favourite people in News Laundry, Sumedha. And one of my other favourite people in News Laundry, Shiv. And they're both laughing, but... Uh, it's a hi. compensation, no? It's a compensation, yes. It is a compensation for you, Sumitha. Oh, Shiv is my number one. Sumitha, <laughs> so, you've done a very interesting story where you're looking at uh, the tax exemption being revoked for four NGOs. Can you tell me a bit about what the story is, how you found out about mm. it? So, I found out this story because I'm working on a story on FCRA, mm-hmm. Foreign Contribution Regulation Act uh, license, which is which has been taken by a lot of NGOs to uh, get foreign donations. So, that's a license. So, uh, in the last five to six years, the government has been revoking that license of a lot of NGOs. Is a spike, which we have noticed. So, I was working on that story. For that story, I was meeting a lot of people inside Oxfam, uh, inside... Care India and uh, uh, Center for Equity Studies and HRLN. So a lot of NGOs. I was uh, uh, I was meeting those people. And these are not necessarily foreign NGOs. No, not for. I was I was looking at the impact of the FCRA license cancel on both foreign NGOs as well as domestic NGOs okay. because mm-hmm. both of them have suffered equally. Yeah. So. Uh, while I was talking to people, then I found out, I think on Friday morning, I learned, I got a call that, you know, Care India has re- uh, has lost its tax exemption status. So then I was like, oh, okay, so can you send me the details? So they were like, yeah, yeah, let us figure out the details. One of the top officials there. So then I was, on the same day, I had a meeting scheduled with Oxfam India people. And they also told me the same thing. So then I was like, oh, but on what day did you lose your tax exemption status? So then they said, yeah, on 30th of, I think, September, uh, just two weeks ago. And on the same day, Care India had also lost its tax exemption status. So then I learned there were two more NGOs through my network. Yeah. And all of them lo- lost their tax exemption status on 30th of September or 29th of September, just two weeks ago. And all these NGOs, they had a common pattern because they all, all of their offices were raided by IT last year in September. So after one year, they had to submit uh, the status. So income ta- income tax department. So then we found out all of them had lost their tax exemption status. When you look at it, it feels very targeted. I do want mm. to ask you, I think um, I think my next question to you would just be this. Were there any similarities in terms of the work that these NGOs were doing that mm. the authorities did not, felt that did not sit well with, mm. I guess, the so quote-unquote Indian ethos that are happening mm. right now? Uh, so far, there is no as such similarity in, like, because there are only, I think, five NGOs. One was CPR, which Shiv has reported about it was Center for Policy Research. I think it was the first one, Shiv. Yeah, perhaps the first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can't be too sure about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Which, to mm-hmm. lose both FCRA and same time tax exemptions exemption status, I think I mean it's double blow for any organization. Yeah. The tax exemption allows any donor. I mean, their donation would not be taxed. Tax exactly. That's the whole idea. Mm. I mean, domestic donors. Mm. If that status is removed, that means whatever amount you give to that organization that amount will be taxed from now on. Yeah, and that sort of immediately as a result cuts mm. the funding of these organizations. No, it's like for, this is for our understanding for our viewers that yeah. when your uh, FCRA has been revoked, mm-hmm. that means you cannot 
you cannot get foreign contributions yeah. or foreign donations mm-hmm. and you don't now you now you just have to depend on your indian donors yeah. like to run your organizations and these organizations they don't have they were not getting a lot of money from their indian donors so whatever like the donations would be only around 30 to 40% mm. and like mostly they were largely run by they were dependent on foreign donations like mm-hmm. some some were like 80% till 80% so when they're uh, when they're not getting foreign donations and then they have to pay very like they now they also have to pay taxes on whatever the money they are getting from their indian yeah. donations so it's a double prong attack on them yeah. and they are not able to survive yeah. so that's why the whole you know uh, the ngo sector in india is right now like which we'll see in our fcr story hmm. also which is which would be out soon that it's it's the sort of like down. A, yeah the sort of like it's a, a clamp down on the ngo yeah, sector yeah uh, i know shiv you've done a story um on uh, cpr uh, earlier but i think i don't want to talk about that story mm-hmm. you have a new story today that you've done ahead of the rajasthan polls um would you like to explain our viewers what the story is what is happening and what is this political storm that has been stirred in rajasthan hmm. so uh, rajasthan government led by the congress party they uh, on october 9 they appointed one member i mean they appointed three members but one of them one of them was uh, was seen controversial by one section of society so the name of that person is uh, kesri singh rathod and he was in the army uh, for for more than two decades uh, he took voluntary retirement then he did some social service in his hometown which is nagore uh, one of the districts in rajasthan and then he was appointed as a member of rajasthan public service commission which is almost equivalent to like equivalent to upsc but short version of every state will have their own yeah. service commissions mm-hmm. so he was appointed to rpsc so some of the jat community uh, objected to his appointment saying that he criticized he like before he became the member of rpsc he criticized us saying that uh, that jats have usurped the obc benefit of other backward communities mm-hmm. so in his posts if you see uh, social media posts or videos he mostly talks about mool obc so can you explain that to me hmm. so mool obcs i mean what he means is those who were part of the original obc list okay mm-hmm. in his social media posts he excludes jats because in rajasthan jats got obc quota in 1999 so he said before that those who were in the obc category they are the mool obcs that's his understanding of mool obc so he also says that these jats they they are reaping the benefits of obc quota while other castes in the obc category they are 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 losing out to jats yeah so when he was appointed as rpsc one of the rpsc members on october 9th jats objected to his appointment saying that he is casteist he is polarizing figure why the congress government has appointed him there were other options also but uh, the congress government now of course the rajasthan will go to polls on november 25th so what will be the impact of kesri singh rathore's appointment to rpsc it's it's yet to be seen mm-hmm. but we we've already seen that these community groups jat community groups they have come out against kesri singh rathore so the congress might lose jat votes yeah and at the same time the congress government can't remove him mm-hmm. because model code of conduct which comes into effect the day you announce poll dates so the model code of conduct is is in force the rajasthan government now cannot remove it unless he himself resigns because rpsc is a constitutional body okay mm. so if you want to remove somebody it has to be removed by president mm. maybe the state government has to recommend his name that just remove him 
it can be done only through president so it cannot happen so only if he resigns then he can i mean the government can get rid of him so we have to see in rajputs also rajputs and other mool obc uh, communities where they stand so rajputs of course rajputs are favoring kesri singh rathod saying that kesri singh rathod will bring more transparency and fairness in rpsc recruitment so we have to look at the background also what had happened before kesri singh rathod's appointment to rpsc so there is this uh, pradesh congress committee president govind singh dotasra in 2018 four or five members of his family they got identical marks in rpsc though they did not get good marks in written exam but at interview stage all of them got good marks more than the top ranking students or top ranking aspirants in written exam more than though more than those candidates so people raised a lot of objections saying that that look at dotasra dotasra is a jhat leader yeah. and he is a congress president in rajasthan so saying that these things will stop and there were a lot of uh, instances of rpsc paper leak and the bribery case some of the rpsc members now have they been removed they are also facing inquiries so they are saying casing rathod he comes from army background though i mean he has his own views yeah. when it comes to the benefits of reservation but even then despite that they believe that it will be more transparent that's the stand of rajputs and few community leaders from mool obc hmm. segment but the jats are the one who are now opposing him yeah. you know what i also wanted to understand from you because now that the because you were talking about how this appointment has been done and it's causing a lot of problems in the state and now only the president can remove this person mm. so how has the chief minister mm. justified the appointment mm. uh, and what were you know what did he say that his motivations were mm. for selecting these individuals um especially particularly for um, with army backgrounds for mm. the post mm. so we are recording this interview on tuesday uh, i think 2 3 days ago on saturday ashok gelot government facing a backlash from jhat leaders i mean the congress he was facing backlash from his own leaders also some of the congress jhat leaders they also threatened to resign over this issue they said that we would resign unless you ask him to resign unless you ask cases in to resign so ashok gelot had to give two press conferences the same day the first time he said like apologize yeah so it is anybody who tweets against an individual mm. or a caste is mm. not acceptable at all mm. this appointment should have never happened mm. i have never met or spoken to him on phone we tried to call him and discuss it but he is not coming mm. unfortunately the incident occurred and i'm responsible for this mm. i deliberately asked for a bio date of people with army background mm. for the selection there was also greed why the makrana seat should go to waste mm. that's what gelo told the media yeah. so i've just said so, out the quote so in in the second press conference he said that i apologize it was my mistake i went through the 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 applications and i chose him and but at the same time he also said that we did not do background check on this guy what kind of person he is but it's his own doing of course whosoever you make rpsc member of course the government would do due diligence that's the minimum that is expected from the government but to appoint such a person according to jhat leaders it's i mean you are also and people will raise questions on the authenticity of rpsc somebody who is uh, so called polarized who is castius will he give same opportunity will he give same opportunity to people who come from certain segment, certain caste yeah so will he be transparent will he be impartial yeah. so yeah. ashok gelot of course people are raising question like you knew who this guy is now you are just saying that it was my mistake so he apologized but nothing can come come out of it jhat leaders have said like we are not going to 
support Congress and Congress may pay heavy price. That is very interesting. And at the same time, Rajputs, Rajputs are in support of Kesri Rathod, saying that Congress for Kesri or I mean, hmm. there were a lot of hashtags trending for three, four days. Yeah. We have to look at the the context of 2018 elections also. In 2018 yeah. elections, Vasundhara Rajay lost. At the time, there was this encounter of a Rajput gangster and he was killed in an encounter. Mm. My, most of the Rajputs, they oppose Vasundhara Rajay. Rajputs yeah. are traditional voters of BJP, mm. while Jat, Jat votes are divided between BJP and Congress. And Congress, yeah. I think until two decades back, Jat would mostly vote uh, for Congress. Mm-hmm. Talking about resignations and revocations, uh, now that our reporters are awake and they've got our coffee, <laughs> I have a question for Sumedha. You know, Sumedha, were there any indications or any prior warnings given to these organizations before the tax exemption um, status was revoked? Hmm, that's a good question. Or was this a complete surprise? No, no, it didn't come as a surprise because uh, Income Tax Department had visited their offices in September. Mm-hmm. And uh, September, I mean September 2022. So they were scrutinized scrutinizing the scrutinizing they were already under scrutiny and uh, so the order came after a year mm-hmm. after they were raided in the story we have mentioned this that uh, in september 2022 news that uh, oxfam india and uh, environics and life which is by rithvik datta they are all three of them have been uh, surveyed by income tax in 2022 mm-hmm. that news was like very well covered by all the media houses but the news from care india was not out which we have put out in our story. Like, it was not covered by major news outlets also. So, yeah, I do, as far as I remember, it was not covered. So, we have done this in our story. So, in that raid by income tax, one of the Care India officials told me that raid was not fair. Like, in mm. the sense that their laptops were seized, their mobile phones were seized. Their Bombay and Surat offices were also raided, not just the Delhi one. And in the Delhi office, all the employees were locked kept logged in in their in the offices for 72 hours is that even legal we don't know that but that's what they were questioning that you know we need to look at a context that how the income how, like how the income tax is you know like raiding or surveying a lot of you know like they're going after all the organizations which are critical of the government so in the case of care india i don't see they were like that critical of the government like yes oxfam india does put out a lot of reports live does that kind of work and environics does that kind of a work but not care india mm-hmm. so we need to understand uh, and we need to look at the past record like which are the organizations which have been surveyed or raided by income tax so it's mm. you know again like like how CBI and ED are being used in this country and like BBC office in Delhi was, was yeah. one of them which was surveyed because they had put out a documentary and that this was, was again this was right movie. after yeah. yeah you know I have another question for you because you write about this in your report and you reported about this. So there are, the government says that the objectives and the actions of the organizations don't match, which is why they've hmm. revoked the tax yeah. exemption. So can you tell us a bit more about that? What what does this mean? Hmm. So actually, I can't tell that in detail because mm-hmm. uh, the income, like the only income tax order which we have got was of Environics Trust. Others, we just like, happened to see through and got confirmation. We don't know what's written in the income tax order of Care India or Life. Mm-hmm. We don't. Ha- we just got a confirmation that yes, their tax exemption status has been revoked, but we don't know what was written in the order. In Oxfam's and Envi- in Environics, it's like where 
very clearly mention uh, that you know they were like some, they were involved in some sort of protest against Adani. Like in Oxfam's, it mentioned that they were sent out a report to Global Impact to delist Adani ports, and in Environics, like of, on similar lines, on of protesting against Adani and JSWC. So the income tax department is saying that these actions in which they were involved. they don't match what they claim to be the objectives of these organizations are to get tax exemption yeah. so these things don't match but again that's a question that why does income tax is you know like exempting their status on these basis hmm i mean hmm. environics trust like the arshidhar hmm. who's who's the co team member is saying that you know we have been doing this kind of a work for a very long time and like their tax exemption status was renewed in 2021 as well and at that time also they were like uh, raising questions against the cor- big corporates like jsw steel or adani or hmm. uh, like whatever the kind of work they were doing in odisha so we were doing they said they, they were doing the similar kind of work then also but is it become illegal now what hmm. is illegal now that's such an important question we have to look this yeah. uh, in the backdrop of the politics of the country yeah mm-hmm. yeah no that makes that makes so much sense because we have noticed over the past couple of if if, if i could also yeah. add a bit in i mean add a bit uh, to what sumida had just said i did two stories on i mean similar lines where if you look at life life was served notice uh, the office was raided as she said last in september so in the it notice the government did mention the name of adani that these guys are fighting cases against adani so life is of course i mean it's a group of lawyers and i mean they do a lot of litigation work mostly environmental cases so in that it report they said that the ritik datta or life use foreign funds to oppose adani projects So, if you somebody wants to check out the story, the headline is "Used Foreign Funds to Oppose Adani Project: Colon IT Report on Ritik Datta." And another one is CPR, Center for Policy Research. Their office, of course, was also was also raided the same day or or yeah. the same month. If I'm not wrong, all yeah. CPRs, Life, Oxfam India, Care India, all of their ra- offices were raided on the same day. Same day. In September and, 2022. And in in CPRs, uh, IT notice. the it department does not i don't think so it mentions the name of adani but it says that some of its foreign funds went for activism that's the allegation mm. and the activism in that they mentioned that hasdev movement hasdev movement happened against coal blocks uh, in chatisgarh and some of the coal coal blocks they were i mean some of the protests were against adani also but in that they did not mention the name of adani but you see but all but there's a pattern that can be yeah and why this time the it notices like are so scary which are sent to oxfam and environics trust because they explicitly mentioned that they were protest against adani and, and i they mean said that this there was no match your objective wheel yeah. of you know like it felt like the system was not trying to hide anything yeah the allegation yeah. can be stretched to any extent like if you say protest against adani is 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 attack on india's sovereignty mm. india's integrity True. then yeah what are you trying to imply so one another interesting thing which was mentioned in the tax exemption status order of oxfam india was that they were working for the benefits of a particular community and mm. which is that particular community if you go through their objectives of oxfam india they said they are working to uplift dalits muslims and women Mm. So basically, that's what the order is trying to say that you know you cannot work for the their benefits. That's illegal. So it's like you know, like the government. It feels like you know, like I don't want to mince my words mm. because like I was angry looking yeah. at these I notices. Mean, yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, like we know what this government's politics is. We know that. 
but to be not ashamed about it in in any way and to you know like use the state agencies in this kind of a way it's pathetic i'm a bit worried too but you know news laundry we are subscriber run we've had we've had our own share of it cases uh, we've had our own share of intimidation how do you both as journalists knowing that this is so explicit that these agencies will come after you uh, if you touch certain topics and now the adani topic is is it's so explicit uh, you already know that this you're almost barred from doing it it's almost like a warning how do you respond to it as reporters here in news laundry i haven't felt that there's no topic which is off limits for us we can choose any topic we can work on any story as long as we have facts and evidence mm-hmm. so that we don't have to eat crow next morning when the story is out people say that oh this is these are not correct facts so our salary comes from subscribers mm-hmm. that's why we don't have to worry about anything yeah because like if we were to take money from say one business group of course their business group would be holy cow for us that's somebody we can't touch mm-hmm. right but for us it's this is not the case yeah. so these are the fruits that we are enjoying of being paid for by subscribers mm-hmm. this may not be the case in other organizations of course we are small we are just seven reporters and we do whatever we can but at the same time if you want to expand and you want to do every story then maybe we need more subscribers but as far as i'm concerned i've never felt any intimidation any story that i've done so far mm. either from government or state agency mm. but i mean of course it's, it's it sends chilling message when you see ngos and reputed organizations when they are raided when they are checked they have to file reports after reports and we are we are not exception to it we also we get it notices every other day and we have to reply just to make sure that we devote large chunk of resources to reply to it notices and that's why we say that what keeps us independent free and is that people pay pay for for our salary hmm. adding to him that i totally agree with him and what he said about you know when you have to allocate a large chunk of resources replying to the it notices and that is what i'm seeing with these organizations also their cases might be now they have to take the support of the high courts or the supreme court now they have to you know they have all filed petitions in delhi high court asking that their fcra on on the basis of which their fcra has been revoked or the tax exemption status has been revoked is not fair so these cases might get acquitted after 2 years or 3 years the courts might you know give orders in their favor but the process is the punishment like in the meantime you know you have to you know uh, the number of people working at your offices would reduce from 100 to 10 yeah and those 10 people have to dedicate all their energy and resources to fight these court cases yeah and by that time you know that organization is ruined yeah. is it won't function in its own like full capacity and as far as uh, it's about news laundry like that's true like every editorial meeting like which we have on mondays like our editors have never stopped us from covering anything as long as we have facts and evidences to support what we want to say like when you cover these kind of stories more the more you realize the importance of what freedom means to you as a reporter yeah yeah and it's priceless at news laundry like like we are really grateful to our subscribers who are supporting us in this way but yeah. you're not saying because you work for news laundry no no <laughs> no, no which is no, which is exactly but this why is, this is, we are yeah. saying this for this salary hike <laughs> <laughs> next but year but this is a, but this is a fact yeah no that's a fact which is yeah. you know i was thinking which is why i asked this question i've not i didn't prepare it but mm. i yeah. was just thinking you know there do we feel any pressure and i think mm. it's uh, what a, mm. what a great privilege it is to mm. like live in a world feeling pressures may, there may, might be may, pressures on our yeah. bosses yeah. but 
that those pressures don't cripple down on us like they are the ones who are you know safeguarding us from all kind of intimidation intimidations yeah. by the government and we are just they've let us free to do whatever kind of work we want to do well subscribers uh, we weren't prepared for a plug but here's a plug please subscribe <laughs> to newslaundry.com so that all of us are happy and happy and chappy and writing all these stories that nobody else would Okay, coming back to coming back to Shiv, your story um, again on Rajasthan. I want to know what is uh, what is Mr. Rathor's reaction and response to this entire controversy. What is is he doubling down on what he said, or is he taking a step back? So uh, the day he was appointed, he came up with a statement uh, on social media saying that uh, now he no longer believes in religion and caste. and his only guiding principle would be bhim dr bhimram ambedkar's constitution mm-hmm. so that's how he will uh, perform his duties and whatever he said earlier it was said in a certain context or in certain circumstances so he said that people should not pay heed to what had what i had said earlier now i have constitution post and, and and constitution will be my only guiding principle this is what he said but i i tried to contact him but uh, first he said uh, he, i mean his team he has a team also of course he does team case team kesri it is called so so first they said that he was ill the second time i called him he like his phone is not reachable and ashok galan's press conference also said like we are trying to get in touch touch with him lekin wo aa nahi rahe hain bola to bimar hai ki wo aa nahi rahe like he has gone incommunicado it seems and he is no where to be no where to be found even by the government <laughs> well you don't let us know how you do that because maybe the government is trying to convince him like you have to resign because our politics at stake or maybe uh, it might have negative impact for us in the upcoming assembly polls yeah but it could also be shadow boxing right what you say in front of camera may not be the case like what goes in the uh, behind the scene maybe he is trying to attract rajput votes you never quite know right yeah or um, maybe some mool mool obc category people they might relate to kesri singh saying he is our savior and yeah. and he might get things done in rpsc and make make process more transparent make mm-hmm. sure this the one dominant community does not occupy all the posts in obc category okay i have another question to you because you of course there's a big political storm that has been brewing we we mm. hear what the congress um mm. what the congress members are saying we've heard what ashok gehlo has to say mm. i'm very curious about how the opposition parties are reacting to it what are their responses mm. do they realize that this might be a strategy or do they think this is a slip up how mm. what are the responses i think i think the the, the bjp is also um, confused at the moment like how to respond to this issue now so on the day poll dates were announced the rajasthan government came with the flurry of uh, appointments and constitution of uh, of some boards some commissions so they are saying that the appointment order they are questioning the appointment order they are not questioning the member so they are not saying that kesri singh is polarized that's why he should be removed they are saying the order is in violation of model code of conduct you see where they are yeah. what they are criticizing so the government cannot take a decision once model code of conduct is in force mm. so i think on october 9th around 2 o'clock or, or in the afternoon that's when model model code of conduct came into force so the bjp is saying the order was uh, was released after model code of conduct came into force so they questioning the timing rather than questioning the authenticity or 
questioning the character of this this person. This person. Yeah. That's very interesting. This yeah. sort of because like... because Rajputs are traditional BJP voters. Yeah. And if they say that this guy is casteist or this guy is uh, polarized, then of course they might face some backlash from Rajputs also. Yeah. And they bore the brunt of Rajput votes last election that I mentioned the fake With encounter the... of 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 Rajput gangster. Yeah. When Vasundar Raja was in power. Coming back to you, Sumedha, uh, you know, my another question that I have, which is on the similar lines as to how the parties are reacting in Rajasthan to the situation. Mm. My question to you is, how is the civil society and NGO sector mm. reacting to the revocation of these tax exemptions um, mm. of these four organizations? So is there is there a collective response in support of the NGO community? Gurmayar, you have hit the nail with this question. They are mad. Really, they have formed a form uh, a formal collective to oppose these kind of steps by the government. But they are mad and they are angry and also they feel helpless and scared to talk to reporters. Mm. And their biggest worry is that these were the NGOs like Oxfam and CPR, maybe in like which you have reported on. These were the NGOs who used to be like would be very vocal against whatever wrong is happening in the society. They'd be very critical of it. And now their biggest worry is that you know lo- look at the state that we are talking to reporters anonymously. Mm. So there was this very good story which was done in Scroll, which said that uh, the number of layoffs that has happened in. Uh, Baijus was around two thousand five hundred, but the number of people because of FCRA revocation, which happened in Care India, was around four thousand. So the number of job losses might be much higher, or it would be equal to to the job losses in the private sector. So just look at the helplessness of the people who might be who are heading these organizations. I mean, they are saying that I don't know if sh- I should be saying this, but I was talking to one of the top officials at Oxfam India, and this was conversation of some like two hours long. and he was crying in front of me and he was a very senior official and he said i don't know how to react to this this sector will die and it might never be able to stand on its feet ever again somebody should be doing something and the worst thing is that we are not talking about this enough in the media or like you know like when there was a attack on news click you know like everybody came together it became a big news it was on the front pages of all the newspapers yeah. but when there's a similar kind of attack and and whenever like there's you know like ed or uh, in ed or cbi reaches uh, knock the doors of any big politicians like it becomes a news you know everybody talks about it but no politician nobody from media nobody from activist circles who regularly use the data which is put out by them is speaking up for them yeah that's so scary and that's so heartbreaking yeah like you're targeting your entire civil society it's a systematic thing to do yeah and, and so- we're letting it die in front of our eyes i think there was discussion during covid time when prime minister narendra modi said that civil society should come together and help people no mm-hmm. but people were saying where is the civil society you have just demolished the whole civil society whole civil society exactly mm. and i think and it's scary because you don't know what the future is going to look like if you don't have these organizations if you don't have these community if you don't have the data that these organizations provide mm. um you know like you said as activists uh, we we rely on their data we rely on the methods we rely on the toolkits that are provided and um, who's going to ask yeah. government questions on the basis of the kind of policies they are making like you have yeah. like you have eroded your entire press you exactly. know like we know what the legacy media is doing right now mm. now like when you have then there's no civil society who's going to question the government yeah and there's and, nobody and that's the thing right if you if you just take away the civil society and then the onus suddenly goes on an individual to 
then question the government because you don't have an organization that, that you don't have a communal space to talk about talk about these issues and which seen, becomes so much hmm. more scary that suddenly takes away your freedom of uh, voice because how can one person oppose the state you True. have to do it as a collective and i think they what these guys are doing is attacking that collective is attacking the the brains behind the pe- people's movement and we have seen what has happened yeah. with amnesty international at the end of the day they had to pack their bags yeah and wrap up no but both of you you're so correct and thank you so much to the both of you for, for coming here and also for your report i know we discussed a different report um that you've done today shiv but of course you've been covering uh what has been happening to the ngo sector for so long and of course your story um it's so important and also eye opening as to why is there no collective action and i think if there's anything uh, our viewers and our listeners want to take away from this um is definitely you know build that collective action mm. speak about this in your own communities i know as media we have lent our support to news click like you mm. said but i think it's very important for activists to notice what is happening to these bigger organizations mm. and it's not happening in silos so thank you to the both of you for this uh, for your work Thanks. and um so okay mm. i think we'll start with sumeda mm. so sumeda what is your recommendation for this week i think you can read shiv's story on profile on sachin pilot that was a good profile ahead of rajasthan elections yeah that's yeah. very that's great cop out mm-hmm. uh, and a great plug very mm-hmm. clever mm-hmm. and um, shiv last week i i did one interview i interviewed uh, one of the former finance secretaries uh, over his book uh, the name of the book is we also make policy by subhash chandra garg and uh, the book covers his stint in the finance ministry from 2017 and 2019 and the book tells us how finance ministry works uh by now you must have seen that when excerpts were published in newspapers on front pages where the headline was like prime minister narendra modi's remarks against urjit patel the former rbi governor that he's sitting on hold of cash like snake that that was the book i'm talking about so the interview will also be out i think by by friday or thursday mm-hmm. so you can also check out that interview i interviewed him he came to our studio so if you want to know how finance ministry works and there are a lot of interesting nuggets in in the story he he talks about his uh, how he sees because he worked under three finance minister arun yeah. jetli uh, piyush goel nirmala sitaraman mm-hmm. and he then he took vrs why he took vrs and all so you'll find everything and you can also check out the interview which will be uploaded very soon Oh, that's very exciting both of you very good job in mm-hmm. plugging stories um <laughs> very own, good your like, own stories uh, your but, own but stories you have been mean to me i have plugged your story and you plugged your story yeah. you also plugged your I story tell, everyone please go read all of shiv's stories okay i my recommendation is also shiv's story the cpr story please read it it's on newslaundry.com Okay, now time for my real recommendation. My real recommendation would be this book. It's an oral history book called Voices of the Nakba: A Living History of Palestine. It's edited by Diana Allen, and it is basically a collection of oral histories uh, from Palestine. And I feel like because because there's so much misinformation, because there's so much conversation, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are talking about it, mm-hmm. um, the best way maybe to look at or read about the conflict. is from the people's own stories mm. and what they have said and what has been documented mm. uh, so i have been reading this book i mm. started reading it a couple couple days ago and it's really um taught me so much so much more than any of the reportage out there has mm. has taught me so i think um definitely this would be a recommendation Very and of good. course uh, shiv's 
Manipur coverage because that uh, that is equally important. Very timely recommendation, yeah. Since Thank Hamas yeah. and Palestine issues yeah. going on, yeah, and people need to understand the the difference between Hamas and Palestine. Exactly, that's very mm. important. Mm. Um, but yes, thank you, thank you to the both of you. Thanks for inviting Gurmeher. With that, this podcast is adjourned. News laundry is possible because of our paying subscribers. We don't run on corporate or government ads. You too can be part of changing the news model. Go to newslaundry.com slash subscription. Be a part of the community that pays to keep news independent. For the smoothest news laundry experience, download our app. Watch our shows, listen to our podcasts, read our reports, stay informed, pay for news, protect democracy, save the world.